the discomfort becomes comfortable. So to get out of that, you have to get uncomfortable again to go back to what's actually true and comfortable. (laughs) This is the Alchemized Life Podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Alchemized Life podcast. Ava Johanna here. I am officially back in the States. I don't think I recorded last week in the States yet. I think I was still in Australia. Um, And it is okay being home. It's good to be surrounded by all my loved ones. But to be honest, I feel a little bit like an alien being back in LA. And this past trip just really made me realize how much I love being in nature. And the reason why I wanted to start out the episode sharing that is because I think for so long, so many of us do this where we just resist, we resist, we resist, we resist being truthful with ourselves. We resist honoring the things that come up inside of our minds, or we tell ourselves and try and convince ourselves that what comes up for us in our hearts or in our minds, whether it's in meditation or a yoga class or even at the gym, we try to convince ourselves that it's just a fluke or it's not real. And what I found is that that is just our sweet little ego, our sweet little ego. Oh, and it thinks it knows so well, trying to keep us in the space that we've been in for however long, aka our comfort zone. And Resistance is really just like that, that need, desire to protect what doesn't really need to be protected. And I actually just got off of a podcast interview that's going to be released in April. And we talked about our divine design and how when we're living in alignment, our divine design is so much easier to connect to because we ultimately are already connected to it. We're inherently always connected to it. and. It was just so interesting to have that conversation and recognize that in the times whenever I feel off, when I feel like I'm out of alignment, my environment, whether it's internal or external, has been confined to uh, to the resistance that has come up. And I've listened to the convincing and have ignored the messages in my heart and my soul. And so I just wanted to share that with you guys because it's so easy for us to have these messages come up and then convince ourselves otherwise say, oh, you know, well, that was just a fluke or I don't really need that or I would get sick of that or something like that. For me specifically, it's like, oh, I would love to live somewhere that's tropical. I would love to live somewhere that's warm and this is where I feel most myself. And then my head would be like, oh, well, you get bored of that or you don't actually want that. You like living in a city. But this was the first time that I was like, no, you know what? I think I do want that. And I think that would actually make me really happy. But anyway, so that's just an example. But there's so many different things that we do. Like, oh, I don't really need to 
you know, quit my job or I don't really need to break up with my boyfriend, whatever it might be. These like, I don't really need to do that. And I'm just like having this impulse right now. But ultimately like your heart, your heart knows, sister, your heart knows. And those messages just get louder. And I definitely if you guys can't tell, came into this uh, intro pretty unrehearsed and this is all just coming up. But the more that we deny and try and convince ourselves to stay within the same habitual patterns and programs that we've been operating from, the less likely we are to experience the true joy, the true fulfillment, the true having it all that waits for us. That's inherently ours just because we were born. Like we are so worthy of having it all, but it's that fear, that resistance, that convincing that tries to keep us in a place where we don't feel fulfilled, where we don't feel like we have it all. Like we are constantly reaching for something new and that dissatisfaction at least in my book, is like, I'm done with it. I don't want to be dissatisfied anymore. I want to be fulfilled. And that fulfillment first comes from listening to your heart, from listening to the messages that you receive. And so what what are you receiving? What is what is your heart saying to you? What whispers of intuition do you have in the middle of the night? What are the things that have been reoccurring patterns that keep reminding you of something greater that you're meant to do? And what can you do today to just honor it, honor it in a way that you haven't before? Today's episode with Talia Delju, she is the host of the Sincerely Me podcast, is going to talk all about resistance, the art of savoring, and really how we can use positive psychology to journey through all of these topics that I've kind of already talked about to journey through the human condition. And I absolutely loved this conversation with Talia. You know, obviously we've talked about resistance a little bit right now, but we're going to talk more about resistance. We're going to talk more about just how incredible positive psychology is and how positive psychology really hones in on not only just like looking at solving a problem, but preventing a problem by focusing on how to not only enhance life, but to be the creator in your life. We also talk about the difference between coaching and therapy, which I think is a great topic because I have seen many people post on um, social media about one, asking the difference between it and also kind of poo-pooing between the two. I think it's a really important conversation to have because ultimately there's a time and a place for therapy and there's a time and a place for a coach. And usually, hopefully, the coach that you find will always be in a position of knowing when you should be doing one or the other and also be guiding you to find your intuition within you so you know when to do one or the other. So, With that being said, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. I hope that my little rant at the beginning has inspired you to maybe take a little bit of time of stillness today or this week to tune back in and ask yourself, what is it that you desire? What is it that your heart wants? And not try and convince yourself otherwise, but instead recognize that as the divine within you and how beautiful to have that conversation and to start honoring those messages that come up because the more that you honor it, the louder it gets, the more connected you feel, the more blissful life gets to be. And I am all about life being blissful. All right. So (laughs) 
With that being said, let's jump into today's episode with Talia Del Joux. And I'm so excited because I'll be on her podcast, the Sincerely Me podcast very soon. So look out for that. Go subscribe. All of the links are in the show notes. And of course, if you love this episode, make sure to take a moment to pause leave a five-star written review, written review so I can love you guys and love up all on you. And um, I think that that's it. So enjoy your week, enjoy this episode, and I'll see you guys soon. Everyone, I am so excited because today Talia Delju is on the podcast. She's the host of the Sincerely Me podcast. And I was actually just interviewed last week. So we're doing a little pod swap. And I'm just really grateful because one, you and I have so much in common as far as what we offer, what we share. I feel like our voices are kind of similar as well. And I had so much fun recording with you last week. And I'm just really excited, like I mentioned before we hit record, to jump into your specialty, which is positive psychology. I've never talked to anyone about positive psychology. So maybe we can start there. I'm just curious, like what separates that from like a traditional, you know, therapy session that you would have with somebody? Yeah, for sure. It's a great place to start. And I love talking about it because it's not it's not super well known. It's it's more um it's newer and you know in terms of like years in the field of psychology and the science of of the field. So what separates positive psychology from the more traditional models in psychology? Well, first off, it's it's a non-clinical, like I can't treat, I can't diagnose, I'm not a therapist. But positive psychology essentially looks at, you know, what what psychology tends to look at is what goes wrong in life, how to fix it, how to treat it, and how to bring people kind of back to baseline. Whereas positive psychology tends to look at what goes wrong and what goes right and how to use what goes right to support what goes wrong, if that makes sense. So it's a little bit more of like a holistic view and perspective and take on the human condition and really, really looks at how to optimize and build off of the good, the good positive emotions we feel, the strengths that we have and how we contribute those strengths to the world around us, how to take what's working in our relationships and use that to enhance them even further. So it's a little bit preventive in that sense. It's it's optimizing and really getting things to their optimal condition so that they're not as prone to, you know, falling back into old patterns or needing to be fixed down the road. Mm, I like that a lot. And I feel like that almost like, I don't want to say contradict, but that's the word that's coming to mind. The traditional model where you know, you go in and see a therapist and there's not really any end date to it. You know, it's like, you well, you're with me and we're going to work through your stuff, but there's not really any like light at the end of the tunnel. And that's one of the things that has kind of always turned me off to traditional therapy is that it feels very much like someone that I have to rely on as a crutch versus Mm -hmm. being empowered to learn the tools and the practices necessary to be empowered on my own. Yeah, yeah. So I've actually wanted to talk about this a lot and I I don't feel fully equipped to fully answer this question, but I think it's important for people to understand what the difference is between coaching and therapy and what to go to a coach for and what to go to a therapist for because I have coaches, I have therapists, I have energy healers, like I have my whole world of people um and my team that I go to, but there are very different things that I go to each person for. And and to your point, I think therapy Therapy can be short-term, but I think it does tend to be long-term in terms of the relationship. Whereas coaching, and there are so many different types of coaching too, um, but the type of coaching that I do is very much focused on... There, There is an end date in that we're 
tackling patterns, we're tackling challenges, we're tackling blocks kind of head on in a very present and future oriented way. We're not doing so much like past excavation, understanding where things are rooted in the way therapy might. And again, I'm not a therapist, so I can't fully speak to therapy in, in, in the in the way that I'd like to right now. Um, but I think for, for coaching, at least again, in my practice, people come with very clear intentions in terms of what they want to work on versus again, like here's something I'm noticing and this is what happened in my past and I need to heal from that. I need to understand why it happened and, and here's how it's showing up in my life today. And there's definitely an overlap. I think there's a gray area for sure. You know, the same thing can be coached and can be taken to therapy, but the approach that you're going to be met with is going to be pretty different. Yeah. And I think I'm glad that we're talking about this because I actually saw a um, post the other day about like, don't just like think that a life coach is going to solve all of your problems. Like if you actually do need therapy, there's a very like, there is yeah. a necessity for therapy. And it's interesting because like in my relationship, initially we were planning to see a relationship coach and consultant. Um, it was out of our budget, unfortunately, but we the way that the coach spoke about the things that we wanted to work on versus our now therapist speaks about the things that we wanted to we wanted to work on it's it's a total different approach and it's really interesting and it's hard for me to like put into words actually like what how different the approaches are but like anyone listening if you've gone to therapy versus working with a coach you can probably you know you're nodding your head now like yeah, yeah I, I totally understand what you mean but yeah. they're really I love that you are touching on the fact that there is there's a place for each of them based off of like where you're at and what you need. Um, Cause I know that in some cases having a therapist versus having like a coach there is actually really important because there are heavier things that you do want someone who is licensed and trained in to work with exactly. you on. Yeah. So that's the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, to be, a, to become a therapist takes, hours of supervision takes a license, takes a lot to the, the, the route to be able to call yourself that is very different than a coach. Anyone can call themselves a coach these days, mm-hmm. um, which can, which is a beautiful thing, but also can be a, a kind of dangerous thing. <laughs> so there's that piece. And then I also think in terms of speaking to the approach and, and the difference there, I think coaches tend to be a lot more active. The role that they play in a session is a lot more active, you know, in terms of like doing mindset work and looking at, okay, here's what I'm hearing. Here are the thoughts, here are the perceptions and helping people actively change their perceptions. Whereas in my experience with a therapist, it's more of someone holding the space for me to process out loud. And and she's really just there actively listening to me, but there's not much interaction or back and forth engagement happening. Yeah. Yeah. I totally can resonate with that. I mean, it's a lot of like the questions being asked to you and then you starting to answer and having those revelations as you're answering. Um, I I find it so helpful. But then also I know that there are other things kind of like what you mentioned earlier that I want to work with a coach on instead, like the shifting into old mindsets or old patterns Mm -hmm. or the programs of I'm not enough or I'm not supported that have actually been really, really helpful for me to work on with a coach because there is the accountability there. I know that like with my coach, if I have like some crappy thoughts start to come up, I can be like, 
hey, I can like message her, voice message her and be like, hey, this is what I'm experiencing right now. What's an exercise to help me move through this? And so can you talk a little bit about that with your clients? And then also in your old life, like it's so common for people to slide back into old patterns and old programs, but where do we start to like hold ourselves accountable if we're not working with a coach? Yeah, that's hard. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Accountability. I mean, the best way for accountability to really stick and to be there is, is when somebody else is a part of it with you. Yeah. Um, I think beyond that, uh, if you're trying to hold yourself accountable to things, I think one question that I ask a lot of my clients is to first identify, come back to the why. And you might hear this a lot. Like, why is it that you actually want to create the change? If the why and the intention is not, strong enough is not pure is not like authentically core to who you are it's probably not going to happen in the way you want it to so getting super clear on why and the intention behind the change you want to see and making that a constant reminder putting it on your phone like seeing it visually is is super helpful and then the other thing i always have people consider is what will you have to gain by making the change and what will you have to lose if you don't make the change and and for most people, if there's no consequence to not taking action or not making the change, you're probably not going to. So the consequence has to be deeply felt and has to mean something enough for you to actually do something about it. Um, otherwise, we're creatures of habit and comfort and safety, and we'll just fall back into that place that feels familiar just because we've been in it for a long time and it's home base. So thinking about the consequence to action and the consequence to not taking action. And then the third way I I have people kind of practice this self-accountability is through creating creating a vision, creating a very strong inspired vision of what you want your life to look like once you're in the new program, the new mindset, the new whatever it is you're trying to achieve for yourself and and feeling inspired by what you see yourself to be, what you see your life to look like, what you see the change is doing for you. We have to believe that the things we want are possible. And you can either do that by envisioning yourself in the future or by surrounding yourself by people who are where you want to be, who are embodying the changes you want to embody to also tell your brain, okay, it's safe to make these changes because they're safe having made those changes. Mm, yes, I love that. I mean, it's all about feeling into it, you know, really feeling it in your body. That's what like gets you so excited and lit up. And it's really interesting because for me, when I like first started on this journey, I was very much along the lines of like, I only want to work with a coach or a mentor one on one. Like, I don't want to work in a group setting. I don't want to be like in one of like a mastermind or anything like that. Like, I just want to do one on one work. And now I'm at the point where I, I'm in this position where I'm like, whoa, like being in a mastermind or being in a group is actually really powerful because you're surrounding yourself with people that are on the same wavelength as you. And it was kind of this whole, like, it was this pattern shift and this mindset shift where I was just like, this is actually a really, really beneficial thing for me to do because I don't see myself surrounded by the energy and the people that I want to be surrounded by in my real life. And if I can cultivate that through a program or like a container that someone else is creating, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. And that's going to help support me on my journey even more. Totally. Yeah. And that also reminds me of 
the importance of your environment. Like our environments are full of triggers and trigger is <laughs> the word trigger can be a triggering word. Trigger is a, is a heavy word. And I don't mean it in the sense of it necessarily triggering negative things or memories or, you know, traumatic events from your past, but our environments are full of triggers. You know, it's things that remind us of what feels familiar because our environments around us are familiar. So a big part of that accountability and that push to change can also come from changing your environment, yeah. getting out of your space. You see, we, you know, for me, at least, you know, I work from home. I see the same things every day. I think not, we all think 90% of the same thoughts as we did yesterday, today. And until we get into new environments and start experiencing new things, we're going to, we're going to keep thinking the same things. And if you keep thinking the same things, you're going to keep feeling the same things. And if you feel the same things, you're going to do the same things. And if you do the same things, you're going to see the same results in your life. So if you want the results to change, you have to change your behavior. If you want your behavior to change, you have to change how you feel. If you want to change how you feel, you got to change how you think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if yeah. You want to change how you think for a lot of people, like we got to be around different people or we need to, and we need to be in environments that inspire new thoughts. Yeah. I love that so much. And I actually have like a really silly example of just that being like affirmed in my life. So about a month ago when I started like really diving into my work with my coach and um, launching my new programs, I was also reading Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. And yeah. um, I also got back from New York after spending like every single day in New York, walking like a ton of miles and just feeling really good being outside. And I had the idea to just go on a walk and go walk down to a coffee shop. And I was like, this is totally different. I would never usually do this in LA because LA is very ugly when you're walking around. It's not the most beautiful place. It's not beautiful and romantic like New York looks. But I was like, you know what? That was something that I really liked. It made me feel good and I want to try it here. So I did it. And when I got to the coffee shop, which was like a mile away, by the way, I think nothing in LA is convenient. Um, yeah. But... I got there and I checked out and my total was $8.88. And it was just like a little wink from the universe that, you know, when we do different things, we will experience a different paradigm and a different reality. And it doesn't mean that like the first time that we do a different thing, we're going to have this like life changing revelation, yeah. but it's the process of consistently showing up and choosing to do the different thing that is more supportive of that vision of yourself that you hold. And so that's yeah. why I think it's so powerful to have those practices in place that really hold ourselves accountable. When do you think like when you are looking at a person's journey, when do you think is the right time to bring in a coach or bring in somebody to really support them? That's a great question. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me to say is that you can't force someone to be ready, right? Like <laughs> you, you can tell someone all you want, what coaching is going to do for them and how it's going to help. But until they are ready and until they feel the need, it's, you're kind of, yeah, it, it's, it's on them at that point. But I think in terms of when, in terms of when that that's going to look differently for everyone, in my opinion. And I think for many of us, unfortunately, it takes it takes getting to the point where we're so sick of the same thing that we that we give ourselves no other option but to make a change. Um, and for a lot of people, things have to get kind of really crappy. But that's and that's okay. That's okay. Um, but I guess this is also a little bit of a reminder to folks to you know you don't have to wait <laughs> for things to get really bad. Um, again, coming from a positive psychology model, like when things are great is also a great time 
to get coached because you can start looking at, okay, this is all, all these things are going super well. Let's look at why. Let's look at how these things are working well so that when inevitably change or stress or whatever else happens, I can take what's working now and use that as fuel and as tools to optimize whatever might not go well in the future. So if anything, yeah, even in the great times, I think it's making sure you're looking at, okay, well, what's contributing to the successes and these positive emotions here? And how can I plug and play and replicate when I might need to in the future? Yeah, I love that. And from like a manifestation standpoint too, when we are in a higher vibration and when we're in this energy of having and celebrating and feeling grateful and create from that space, what we create has that much more like heart power behind it. So it's a really powerful place to be in. And you know, right now you're doing your um, Instagram challenge, the mental fitness challenge. And one of the things that I really loved is just this like art of savoring. So can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think it ties in really nicely to this. Yeah, I would love to. So savoring is the practice of paying attention to and enhancing your positive experiences in life. So it's a little bit like mindfulness. You know, mindfulness is just, again, that like quality of your attention, paying attention to the thoughts and the things that come up. But savoring is almost like, a, you know, it's one level deeper where you're, yes, you're being mindful, but you're specifically being mindful of your positive emotions and the experiences that feel good to you. And essentially the point there being to kind of intensify and and prolong the duration of the good feeling itself. So a couple ways to do that are by looking back into your past and and pinpointing a really great positive memory and bringing it back to life in your mind, seeing all the vivid details of the experience and tuning into how it felt in your body and getting yourself back into that you know high vibrational state um, and just relishing in it, sitting in it and creating a positive experience for yourself when nothing externally has happened. You've just in your mind gone back to something that's felt good for you. The second way to do it is in the present moment, paying attention to something that again, just feels good to you. And it could be as simple as a cup of tea. I talked about this in my day two IGTV video yesterday's, you know, when there's a cup of tea in front of you, if you're anything like me, you make the cup of tea, you drink it, you're on to the next thing. But to savor that cup of tea and to tune into your senses and to identify how it actually makes you feel to drink it, grounding, it's nourishing, it's comforting, it's warming, it's maybe it's nostalgic for some people. Maybe it reminds you of, you know, when you and your grandma used to drink tea together, but we tend to just go through the motions and not actually tune into the positive emotions we have. And I think a part of that is because um, our mind is afraid of positive emotions in some way, because if we're, if we're feeling something good, there is a risk that it might not last. So I might as well just not feel it for that long. Right. So we're almost like taking away, we're taking away the positivity from ourselves because we're afraid of it not lasting. So we make it not last in a weird way. It's a little self-sabotage. Um, so that's the second way to do it. And then the third way is a personal favorite. And it's about what we call anticip- positive anticipation. So a lot of us tend to look at the future with a lot of anxiety and stress and uncertainty and doubt. Um, but this basically points to... Um, the power of having something to look forward to, something, a point of certainty in your future that's a positive experience or a positive event that you can start getting excited about now. Start living it in your mind now and tuning into how it's going to feel when you 
buy the thing or take that trip or see that person or do whatever it is you're looking forward to. Um, so those are a couple different ways to savor it. But yeah, it's, it's all about really tuning into and sitting in the positive emotion and like letting your body just sink into it, feel into it, um, and really training your mind to feel safe, feeling good before it like robs you of any opportunity to feel anything good moving forward. I feel like it's like we wait for the other shoe to drop and then take away from like the present experience of feeling good. Totally. Yeah, it takes... And, and I, I mentioned this too in the videos. Um, and I think Brene Brown said this in her... Netflix, was it a Netflix special that yeah. she did mm-hmm. on vulnerability? Yeah. she's And if I'm not mistaken, she said something about how it takes courage and vulnerability to feel joy as well. Mm-hmm. And... I'm noticing that a lot in my life, how I don't let myself fully experience joy or feel joy. And there are, again, I think a lot of reasons to that. Um, one being that it could be taken away. One being that I'm afraid that me feeling joy might make someone else feel bad about themselves or their life. And you know, there are a bunch of stories that my mind attaches to it, but um, it does. It takes courage to feel joy and it it takes getting out of the program because for many of us, what's programmed and what's familiar is the anxiety and the stress and the doubt and the worry. Mm-hmm. So when anything be- besides that is felt, it's also perceived as stress, even if it's the opposite of stress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how are you then in your personal practice navigating this guilt or worry around either over being overshadowing someone's Mm -hmm. joy or the joy being taken away like how are you looking at those patterns and programs that you have running to allow yourself to step into this new paradigm and really fully experience joy yeah, I mean, the first step I think for most folks is just being aware of the pattern and f- and and observe just observing. Like I'm, I'm, I've become very observant of myself in different social situations without trying to not judge. <laughs> That's the hard part, but it's like, okay, this is interesting. So coming at myself with a little bit more curiosity, observing and and writing down, you know, putting pen to paper. Here's the story that my mind made up. This was yesterday's theme for the mental fitness challenge is like, you know, our minds make meaning out of the things that happen, but the meaning is you get to choose the meaning of the things that happen outside of you. So the judgments, the thoughts, the stories that our minds attach to things, we have to start to question. We have to begin to ask ourselves, okay, is it true? Is it actually true that if I let myself feel joy that, you know, it's going to make this person feel some kind of way? Can I prove that? Or can I prove the opposite? Can I also prove that me feeling joy will also make them feel joy? Actually, yeah, there's proof that that's happened before in my life. How do I go back to the facts and ground myself in like what I actually know to be true and pull myself out of the story that can sometimes downward spiral a bit? Mm, Yeah, I think that that... I mean, I've been experiencing that in my own life. You know, I had to take a moment earlier today and get back into my meditation practice, observing the feelings that were coming up and then asking myself, okay, the Ava that like is killing it in her business that has so many friends and loved ones around her and is just happy and fulfilled and is no longer living with the old patterns and thoughts and stories. Like what is her response to this? How would she respond to this? And it Mm -hmm. was coming back into this place of being like, no, that that's not true. It's not true that this person 
doesn't want to work with you or it's not true that your work isn't valuable. Your work is valuable. And reminding myself of all of the testimonials, all of the incredible conversations that I've had with my clients, all of the incredible conversations that I have with people that listen to the podcast and like rooting myself in the facts. And it's so funny because we're such good storytellers and oh, we're yeah. so good at like fabricating these stories that are like so far off. And I guess sometimes not far off too, but like these stories that like are not evidential at all. And then yeah. when we really like reel ourselves back in and look at like the cold, hard facts that are in front of us, we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to worry as much. Yeah. But again, if those, if you're used, if your mind is used to telling those stories, you're used to the feelings that those stories create. So they're going to keep coming up until you let yourself, until you let yourself get a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause I think what, yeah, what happens is the, the discomfort becomes comfortable. So to get out of that, you have to get uncomfortable again to go back to what's actually true and comfortable. <laughs> mm, yes. Okay. So I have to ask you this then, because you posted yeah. about this a little while ago, this idea of resisting pain, because I think that you know when we're doing all of this work, it can be painful to mm-hmm. let parts of ourselves, stories, programs, mindsets die. And they kind of have to die to make room for the new stories and the new programs and the new positive outlooks that we have. But the pain can be there in letting go because sometimes it means letting go of friends. Sometimes it means letting go of comforts. So when we talk about resisting pain, where do you see that being essential in this or not not non-essential, but a necessity to move through in this journey? Yeah. So this, this kind of brings me to, I don't know who said this, but how, when we resist, like suffering is only a result of resisting the pain. And the story we create is that pain is bad, right? So I'd I'd answer it almost in the same way and say, okay, well, is it true that pain is bad? It might not feel good, but is it bad to experience? Why should we not feel pain? Why should we feel pain? So it's a little bit of like looking at both sides of it and really understanding what is what is it that you're actually resisting? It's not the pain itself, but it's what you're afraid the pain might do to you or what the pain might lead you to. So kind of going down that rabbit hole for yourself and understanding where is the resistance really? Because yes, on the surface level, none of us want to feel bad, but what's the fear behind that? What's the... Um, What's the assumption we might be making and and what what are we going to need to feel safe enough to face the pain and to look at the pain and to observe it with that same curiosity that I mentioned earlier without identifying as the pain? I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. Um, the language they use around it. I am experiencing pain. I am sad. I am mad. I am angry. You are not anger you're experiencing you're feeling angry it's temporary and the words we put the language we put to the things we experience um really do shape the way we experience things so i think for many people it's about understanding how your mind is making meaning of what you're going through and just again challenging the truth of it and reminding yourself like a mantra i come back to a lot is that i'm safe i am safe to feel this pain i'm safe to explore this shadow i'm i'm safe i'm safe i'm safe i'm safe and breathing out loud audibly hearing myself exhale tells my brain i am safe because when you're literally physically survivally not safe <laughs> you're you're not going to be able to breathe but when you can breathe 
it's because you're safe and you're able to do so and you're alive. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question, but that's where my mind went with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the safety thing is huge because it's a maladaptive trait that has been with us since the, you know, since we were cave cavemen and cave people. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because one of my mantras that my coach gave me is it's safe for me to trust myself. Mm-hmm. And it's like this big theme around safety where the bottom line is in some way, all of the fears come back to this idea that we're not safe. Yeah. And when we can untangle that, um, one of the things that kind of came up for me when you were sharing was this like idea of labeling and there was mm-hmm. this really powerful yoga class years ago that I took where the teacher, we were like in a deep hip opener and she's like, you're simply labeling the sensation that you're feeling as positive or negative, but it's just yeah. sensation. Yeah. And that's the same exact thing for emotions too. We're simply labeling it and it's actually neutral. And mm-hmm. so it's coming back to like, we are the designers and the storytellers of our lives. And so how do, how do we want to label it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the story you want to tell about it? You get to choose the story. How cool is that? That's so cool. (laughs) It is really cool. It's empowering. I think sometimes we don't want to take full responsibility though. We don't fully want the power. Have you noticed in working with your clients times where they have been really, really empowered and then have kind of like taken the back seat and don't take full responsibility or don't want to fully step forward and like step into the power that they hold? Like, how do you work through someone? Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, that's fear again. Um, And fear is something that comes up a lot. We talk a lot about fear as if it's a person, you know, day one of a coaching session, you're writing a letter to fear, like dear fear, have a conversation with it, recognize that it's a relationship and you get to choose what you want the relationship to look like. So for people who slip back, yeah, absolutely. But I think it's because fear has found its way back in and fear is something we label as bad and as something we shouldn't feel. But I think if you look at it, if you look at it in the way that I do, which is that, you know, fear at the end of the day is just trying to yeah, trying to keep you safe, wants you to be safe, wants you to be successful, wants you to be happy. You also want yourself to be successful and happy and safe. So you and fear want the same thing at the end of the day. Why is it something we work so hard against? Why is it something we resist when, when again, at the end of the day, it's like, we're on the same team here, right? So writing that letter for a lot of people, whether it's at the beginning of the process, or maybe they have to revisit in the middle because they're, you know, kind of falling back into old ways. It's just fear disguising itself differently. And it's just about revisiting that letter. Sorry, my dog's barking. Um, And coming back to what needs to be revisited, re-acknowledged, and maybe felt again. I really like that. I've never heard anyone share from that perspective of like, fear and you are on the same team. I love that. That's like a big little light bulb moment, a big little uh, uh, light bulb moment <laughs> for me because it's so true. You know, we, I think a lot of people do have the perspective of like fear can be something like data, but yeah. to also look at it as you and fear want the same thing. So how can you actually use your fear as this driving force to know that like you are doing something big and you are doing something important and it's there to kind of remind you of that, that you're not playing small yeah. anymore. Totally. Yeah. So how do you do that? Like in your daily life, if something comes up for you personally, how do you, how do you work through it? Like what's your go-to? Yeah. 
Um, I write a lot of letters. I really love the practice of writing letters. That's also why my podcast is named what it is, Sincerely Me. Yeah, I, I talk a lot to the... This makes me sound like a crazy person, but I have conversations with these things that I that we tend to identify as a part of us. Um, but again, it's reminding ourselves that you are not the fear. You are not the uncertainty. You're feeling it, um, but have a conversation with it. What information is there for you to pull out? So I do a lot of letter writing. Other than that, I don't have much of a consistent practice. That's also something that I think there's there's definitely a block there for me. Coaches have coaches for a reason, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely resistance to building out practices that I know will support my growth. I do I do a lot to support my growth, but when it comes to like the discipline of a consistent practice, there's something that doesn't feel like there's something that feels restrictive. Mm. In that for me, like no two days look the same for me. I wake up a different time every day. I go to bed a different time every night. Like there's something in me that really likes the flexibility and the freedom of no two things being the same. So I'm also trying not to judge that and not to judge the fact that like I don't have a consistent practice of these things, but letter writing is something I do come back to. And, and then it's also about moving energy through and out of my body. I think the, like when the fe- when we feel fear, we tend to hold it. I tend to hold a lot in my body. And so for me, finding things like dance, again, it's not a consistent daily thing, but when time allows for it and when I make it a priority, that's a really important way for me to move those stagnant and maybe not so wanted energies out of my body. Um, otherwise, they kind of just sit there and become a part of the program that feels familiar, you know? Yeah. I feel like movement, whether it is dance or yoga, is also like clearing out space so your intuition can speak again. And like your intuition is going to guide you. It's going to hold space for you. It's going to be your cheerleader and get you back into alignment. So I love those practices. You have a lot of stuff coming up. And again, like I mentioned at the beginning, like so we have so many similarities. Um, You're going to Bali in October. So you're doing retreats. You have your coaching. What else do you do? Like how can people work with you? Yes. So one-on-one coaching is really kind of my bread and butter. Um, I do have a couple of retreats coming up, one in Bali in October, and then one in April. We actually haven't announced this yet. We should probably do that since it's February. Uh, But my sister and I are partnering up for these kind of like seasonal retreats in North Georgia for two days where um, the premise is really that like the way we live and the way we work and the way we eat and sleep today is so far from what is natural for us. And so these two days are really meant to just kind of like come back to what is natural to unplug to she's a chef. So it's a, it's a lot about like nourishing your body with foods from the earth um, and slowing down your pace, sitting around the fire, singing songs, telling stories, just like coming back to those, you know, tribal parts of who we are. Um, so that's coming up in April. And then I have a couple online offerings. I run a year long program that's a combination of weekly coaching practices, monthly group sessions, in-person retreats, private works, kind of like the, the uh, an all-in-one um, package there. And I'm currently working on building out some other offerings that can continue to give people access to information without needing to do the one-on-one work. Because for some folks, it's just not what's needed at the time. Um, and, and the podcast. Those are all the different ways that I'm putting my work out into the world. Amazing. Your retreats sound so nice and juicy. Like I want to do that. (laughs) So So where can people find you? 
Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. Um, I have a kind of a love-hate relationship with Instagram. If I'm being fully honest, <laughs> I think it's really hard to, um, to find the balance because as an entrepreneur, you're, you know, Instagram is a big part, a big tool in, in getting your message out and then connecting with folks. So I'm currently running a, a little five-day IGTV mental fitness challenge there. It's been a lot of fun. And my podcast is called Sincerely Me. And we have an episode coming out there shortly. So be sure to check that out with Ava. And then my website, taliadelju.com. Those are, those are the main ways. Amazing. And we'll link that all in the show notes. But Talia, thank you so much for coming on. I am like so excited to have learned more about positive psychology and I'm excited to like incorporate some of the tools that you shared with us into my work as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. 